welcome to Streaming Into the Void, where we discuss all the streaming news for the week ending July 16th, 2022. This week is Netflix The Big Fish or The Little Fish. I'm Kim Hollis, and I put together an entertainment center despite the terrible instructions. (laughs) At one point, I thought she might light them on fire. (laughs) Bruce. Also, Tim Brighty, writer and gamer, who will also consider adding an ad-supported tier. Please sit through this 30-second ad before I make the clever response. (laughs) Also, David Mumpower, published author and media analyst who cannot get used to how quiet the suburbs are. Earlier today, I didn't have anything on like the radio or television, and I realized I could hear a dog barking six houses down. No Mm -hmm. joke. Yep. It's amazing. And the podcast is produced and edited by Raul Burial, who lives in a house of COVID. Boy, am I glad I bought that hazmat suit on Prime Day. (laughs) I'd also like to point out that this is our second season finale. Not to spoil anything, but that's Chekhov's Entertainment Center. If you introduce it in Act 1, it better fall on somebody in Act (laughs) 3. Wait, if it's the finale, does that mean someone has to die? Run, Reagan, save yourself! (laughs) In our deep dive this week, a surprise to pretty much everyone in the industry happened as Netflix announced they had selected Microsoft as their partner for the launch of an ad-supported streaming tier. I feel strongly that the safe money would have been on Netflix partnering with Roku, but Roku doesn't seem to have been adversely affected by this news. At the same time, I don't think that Roku can continue to exist as an independent entity. If Roku resisted this partnership, it's because they felt the terms weren't favorable to them. I don't know if they think they can get a better offer elsewhere, but with Roku's domination of the hardware market being chipped away and their streaming offerings really lackluster, they're existing on borrowed time. There should be a real sense of urgency at the company, and I don't know if they know it yet. So you're saying that Quibi can't save them forever? Let's remember that the Quibi content is basically rented. A lot of that stuff actually goes back to the original creators at some point. Uh, The original creators won't want that stuff. Seriously, though, there was a time when TiVo absolutely dominated the entertainment console living room. And nobody remembers that now. And TiVo is kind of a punchline. And Roku is starting to be at least on the outside looking in fear at that scenario. But Raul's reply focuses on Roku. I'm looking at this more from the Netflix perspective. In a potential Roku purchase, we looked at Netflix as the big fish. But what if it's the little fish? That's the scenario we're facing now as Microsoft's move hints at a strengthens relationship and maybe a future acquisition. Nobody said anything yet, but this switch could take Netflix away from Amazon Web Services in favor of Azure. In fact, some are describing it as as a privacy-based transaction first and foremost. Meanwhile, Netflix is meshing nicely with Microsoft in the growth industry, the streaming service most covets, and that's video games. We've got 100 million active Xbox users and dozens of proprietary IPs, other than Halo, that Netflix could mine. So I'm now evaluating this entire transaction as Netflix having a, you know, let's call it a break glass in case of emergency strategy, and this was it. They've used it. They were talking about the significance of the 2022 election season campaign money, which, you know, Let's be honest, that could have been nine or $10 billion, but Microsoft's ad tech ain't that great. They're not going to get that money now. So this move doesn't help them immediately like Roku would have. So in a way, it's a more confident decision for them because they're not thinking about the billions of dollars they'll get right now. They're thinking about positioning Netflix better for two to three years down the road. That's forward thinking if it works, but 
we've got concerns. The Microsoft ad marketplace isn't nearly as strong as other ad marketplaces. Certainly, I think Netflix would have gotten themselves a much more mature ad platform if they'd gone with Roku, but they haven't. This is them saying, look, we said we were going to do something about ads and now we got ads, but there's something much bigger at play here. And and I'll get to that in just a second. I said Netflix would have to make a big move to shake this perception that they were stagnating. Buying Roku would have been that big move. Partnering with Microsoft was a huge move. Microsoft buying Netflix has been on my conspiracy whiteboard for a while. That's not what's happened here, but it does open that door a lot more than just a crack. Microsoft and Netflix have partnered on technology before. I'll point out that Netflix used to use Microsoft's Silverlight as their desktop video technology. That goes way back. So clearly these guys like each other. If if that partnership hadn't panned out, these guys would probably have some bad blood. And partnering on ads, as David pointed out, can be just the beginning. Imagine Netflix getting favorable terms on Azure instead of Amazon Web Service. Imagine Netflix and Microsoft integrating their game stores so that Microsoft finally starts making a move into the mobile market and subscribers of Netflix now get access to the Xbox Ultimate Game Pass games. Microsoft's been pushing hard on their Xbox cloud gaming streaming platform. This gives them access to Netflix's massive subscriber base. And here it is. The biggest ace in the hole here for Netflix is imagine that you're an an Xbox Ultimate Game Pass subscriber. And now as part of your subscription, what if you were to get a month or six months or a lifetime, so long as you're subscribed, subscription to Netflix with ads? That gives Netflix overnight millions of more subscribers. So Netflix said, yeah, 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 we're going to do ads now. Here, well, let's go with this. these guys over here. They don't do great ads. But also, hey, uh, last quarter, we added 20 million subscribers. That, that's the race in the hole. Ultimately, the only real loser out of this deal is Roku. Remember that the Xbox remains a top five, oftentimes a top three streaming video set-top box. People use their Xbox for more than just gaming. They use it for streaming stuff, and most of the stuff they stream is Netflix. So essentially here, Netflix is getting into the hardware market by partnering with Microsoft. And Roku at this point needs to be looking around. If they were getting into a buyout philosophy within their headquarters and Netflix walked away for whatever reason, Roku needs to find somebody else that'll give them some money for their company before at some point they lose all their value and no one wants to buy them. Early in this conversation, Raul said Roku didn't seem to be adversely affected by the news. And he and I are kind of looking around right now going, why not? Because this tells you that Netflix and Microsoft don't view Roku as a factor long term. When your competition dismisses you, that's a scary moment. In our rapid fire, streaming services are still hitching their wagons to big celebrities to build up an audience. To celebrate Shark Week, Warner Brothers Discovery is teaming up with the star of their upcoming DC movie, Black Adam, Dwayne Johnson. And Disney is bringing not one, 
but two BTS series to Disney Plus, as well as concert films and other original content. Yeah, I want to talk about the Shark Week one because that couldn't have Zaslav's fingerprints over it more. In addition to what's happening with Dwayne Johnson, stars from AEW, which is also a Warner Brothers property, will be appearing in Shark Week as well. So in other words, as much corporate synergy and as much dual marketing as possible because he's a cheap bastard. I don't know if hiring the biggest star on earth makes him a cheap bastard, but you do imagine the conversations in David Zaslav's boardroom where he says, hey, that Dwayne Johnson, he's making a movie for us. Where else can we use him on other stuff? Shark Week? Yes. Get him. Shark versus Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Who you got? The BTS stuff is interesting. There's at least two series in the works, concert movies and other undisclosed materials. And that's all great. But at the same time, there's been a lot of speculation lately about BTS breaking up. So I don't know if Disney's coming in late on this bandwagon. That's entirely why you're saying this is the corporation responsible for BTS, which is called Hybe, they had their stock price absolutely collapse last Last month when word came out that BTS was in fact breaking up to the point where the corporation, not the band, said, oh no, BTS isn't breaking up, we can assure you. <laughs> and now they're scrambling for all the Disney money they can get because they're freaked out that their golden goose is no longer going to lay the eggs. And I imagine it's going to be a while before any of this content actually materializes, except for maybe a concert movie or two. Those are pretty easy to turn around. It'll be in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. So by then, I don't know just how hot they're going to be. So hopefully the folks over at Disney were prudent in their deal making and didn't give up the house. The Emmy nominations were announced this week with HBO roaring back to lead the pack after being eclipsed by Netflix last year. Shows like Succession and The White Lotus racked up multiple nominations. Apple's Ted Lasso also scored a host of nominations. Hulu impressed with multiple nominations for Only Murders in the Building and Dope Sick. And Netflix's Squid Game was their outstanding series this year. I think some folks at HBO will be pleased to have made their boss, David Zaslav, happy. But honestly, I just don't get the White Lotus and the fact that it got as many nominations as it did. It racked them up. It's an ensemble cast and pretty much everyone in the ensemble got nominated. Sure. okay. there's other stuff. The uh, Apple series Severance got some love as well. And that's another one that's weird. It's likely Succession's going to win almost everything and in the drama category, and Ted Lasso's going to win almost everything in the comedy category, and I guess White Lotus gets the miniseries trophies. I'm just excited that Rescue Rangers got nominated as Best Television Movie. And Selena Gomez was robbed. I mean, how can you not be insulted when you're in a three-person show and the other two people get nominated? Yes, and I, I think even Steve Martin and Martin Detroit put out a statement saying, um, yeah, this, this is ridiculous, essentially saying that. I mean, that's the other thing about it. You're telling me she's not better than Martin Short? Martin, right? She had a fantastic scene in uh, season two last week. Just hilarious. Her timing was just impeccable. She did. Yeah. <laughs> Without giving anything away, she wasn't the youngest person in the conversation. <laughs> yes. <for once>. <laughs> Outstanding. And we had to do so much Googling, by the way. <laughs> we did. <laughs> the fact that she could carry her own on a set with Steve Martin and Martin Short, 
she's incredible. This is this shows an entirely new perspective on her career. This is this is a launching pad for her, and she needs a lot more love. So hopefully, maybe she gets nominations next year for the second season. Lastly, Warner Brothers Discovery will be shutting down Cinemax Go by the end of the month. That's not real. (laughs) (laughs) That was a thing. Come on. No no way. What's the fake story of the week, right? Right. I'm not saying Tim's right, but I had to Google to see if we'd been using Cinemax Go. I really did. (laughs) Yeah, the only shock here is that the service was still operating. This is Cinemax's TV everywhere platform that essentially meant that if you were a cable subscriber to Cinemax, you could use the app to access Cinemax content. Even before the merger, Cinemax had had most of its original content either canceled or moved to HBO and HBO Max. This is just a situation where someone had forgotten to turn off the lights until just now. Honestly, I wonder if folks at Warner Bros. Discovery were surprised to discover that Cinemax, the cable channel, still existed. I don't expect Cinemax to continue to exist much longer. The contraction of cable channels is well underway. NBC Universal just announced the shutdown of the Olympic Channel. This is after they already announced the shutdown of NBC SN. So watch for a lot more cable channels to disappear shortly. With the Cinemax thing, it reminds me of Silicon Valley. There was a joke on Silicon Valley that if you had like a five-year contract and they just bought you for the IP, you would just go sit on the roof and read the internet all day. That's kind of what the people who were running Cinemax Go had to be doing, right? And as for the Olympic Channel, I I don't want to be defeatist about this as someone who is a super fan of Olympic sports, but it feels like the fatal blow for this was totally beyond its control, and that's how much viewing was down for the Olympics this year. That's my opinion anyway. Yeah, viewership on sports is becoming much more niche. And so it's likely that you're going to end up seeing a lot more very specific content on streaming services like Olympic events, such as skateboarding or surfing or beach volleyball or cross-country skiing or biathlon. You might even get to see all of that stuff live now and see whole events instead of just 10-minute highlights. But the audience for that kind of stuff is just way too small to sustain a cable channel. And so it ends up it ends up on streaming. We are trading little viewed cable channels for niche streaming content. All right. So before we move into the ratings, Tim, why don't we talk about the box office just briefly? Yeah, sure. So after last weekend, we did talk about Thor Love and Thunder opening, but it ended up with 144.1 million, which on the surface grade, but compared to Marvel's track record, um, they they should be worried, uh, especially since this weekend it's got a Friday number of 13.8 million. That's going to drop like what, 65%, something like that for the week. That's, oh boy. Yeah, I think for me, the scariest part of all this is that Thor is unlikely to beat Minions, The Rise of Gru. And if you had told somebody that three months ago, they would have laughed in your face. So it's hard to sell this as a win. Yeah. And now, while we've been sort of seeing the praises of the box office, how you know there were a bunch of current, you know, multiple successful movies out at once, uh, Thor is kind of the end of the line for a little while. I'm trying to think, and there really is not much that is Brad Pitt on a train. Okay, okay, there's that. There's Brad Pitt on a train, right? I, I, <laughs> I, I did, I did see an ad for that before uh, we were recording, but I mean, because this weekend you've got uh, a couple movies that don't seem like real titles. One, one called Where Are the Crawdads Sing that made. 7 million on Friday, which I guess that's pretty good. And something called Pause of Fury, 
uh, 2.4 million. Uh, yeah, this is where we we really see if theaters are sustainable when there's not Marvel movies or Tom Cruise movies or Minions movies or, or you know, dinosaurs eating people. All right. Thank you, Tim. Let's go ahead and talk about the ratings. Okay. So we have the Nielsen streaming ratings for Monday, June 13th through Sunday, June 19th. And I was off by a week on when we would get the Umbrella Academy numbers. So it looks like those will come next week. All the calendar confusion always gets me with like when we record, we talk about the shows for what new, what's new and when they arrive. And then when, when the ratings come like, you know, a month later, but anyway, we'll, we'll deal with that next week. So of course your top show this week is once again, Stranger Things, another 2.9 billion minutes, almost, almost 3 billion this week. So I'm pretty sure that, you know, Umbrella Academy will be the top show next week when we get that number. Uh, but then that's only for a week because the following week is when the last two episodes of Stranger Things will have arrived and that will shoot it back up, back up the list. But yeah, it's still, you know, three weeks out now, Stranger Things still pulling in almost 3 billion minutes watched. That's a lot. Yeah. Anecdotally, I can say that I have seen it being number one this entire time until this weekend, which Resident Evil has finally replaced it. But for the most part, it, it really has been most of the last two months, which is just a remarkable show staying power. This is when you're looking at the Netflix, uh, Netflix's own charts, is right, David? Or just trending on, on Netflix? Correct. Trending okay. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's okay. going to be like this for another few weeks. Oh, yeah. Unsurprising. It'll, it'll be here again. Ozark's still here months later. Stranger Things will probably be here for several months and we're almost out of things to, to talk about it. And we still haven't gotten those other two new episodes yet. Uh, second is Peaky Blinders. We saw that uh, show up last week. 904 million minutes. That's solid for 36 episodes. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen. We've not seen it on the charts before. I don't recall offhand if previous seasons arrived since we've been doing the podcast actually but yeah no that that's that show has wow has a big fo- bigger following than i would have would have expected with that kind of number yeah it's got one of those british release patterns new season yeah. every three years <laughs> <laughs> so maybe, maybe it's been a minute yeah okay <laughs> uh third is the voice this is from amazon 795 million minutes for for 21 episodes this is Again, this is also going to stick around because episodes were weekly. Um, uh, as after the, they released the first three of the third season uh, on June third, and then it's been been one a week through the first couple weeks of this month, July. So this is doing very well, and we'll we'll see this here for a, a while. And that's a big big win for Amazon. The show has gotten so popular that we're three episodes down, and we're absolutely terrified because it seems like season finale spoilers are everywhere. So we're having to be very cautious when we surf. And fourth is Obi-Wan Kenobi from Disney Plus, 733 million minutes for five episodes. So one more to go. That's also great for a Disney Disney Plus series. But, you know, for again, it's one of the most popular things that they could have possibly made. It was a show titled Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, so I'm not surprised. I, I think we'll, we'll see the same pattern that we've seen with the Disney Plus shows. It'll We'll see a jump next week once, once all six are out because it will arrive midweek. Uh, and then it will drop off probably a couple weeks later because you know people have have seen it it's short then that's about it but that's that's been the pattern with the disney plus shows the marvel especially the marvel and star wars ones and i don't want to say that star wars is still in a rut but taiko watiti is going to direct a star wars movie and on the set of thor love and thunder he asked co-star natalie portman hey have you ever considered doing a star wars <laughs> which tells you everything you need to know about the last 20 years of star wars i mean that was a long time ago i mean come on 
<laughs> All right. So we have something new in fifth. This is God's Favorite Idiot. 652 million minutes watched for eight episodes. Hmm. This is the, oh, the Ben Falcone, Melissa McCarthy series. Rather than make a make a mediocre movie, they've <laughs> apparently made a mediocre television series. <laughs> Again, he's probably a very, very nice man, but you know, it's it's never her best her best work when when Mm-mm. when they work to, when they work together. Uh yeah, okay. Sure. That's that's shows that you know most McCarthy has you know still has per drawing power and fans because that's that's very good uh and and then some some stuff we've seen before uh keep sweet pray and obey saw that last week 556 million minutes Ozark still here 528 million minutes for 44 episodes uh first kill uh, we saw that, that premiere last week 467 million minutes for eight episodes the you know the the show you know lesbian Buffy the vampire slayer or Buffy the Vampire Slayer. (laughs) (laughs) Which, by the way, has not been renewed yet, which is a little surprising based on this Mm. performance. Yeah, that's... That's surprising. It's considering again the the delay in these ratings, but yeah. So I mean, Netflix has more info than than we do, but that's awfully surprising. They haven't said okay for a second one. Uh, the Lincoln Lawyer uh, will get a second season, four hundred twenty one million minutes, and Web of Make Believe: Death Lies in the Internet, three hundred thirty nine million minutes for six episodes. I guess this is a docu series. That uh, did we talk? About? I'm sure we talked about this when it when it showed up on What's New that week. It was incredibly generic about different terrible <laughs> yeah, things that happen on the internet. That 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 title tells you tells you nothing. Thing. But that, mm-hmm. you know, because that that's just the internet. Yeah, uh, <laughs> enough people checked it out to squeak in the bottom of the list this week. Uh, no Ms. Marvel, which I think I would have expected. Uh, I do think it'll show up when it adds a couple more episodes through its run and it'll poke its head in again in the list. Possibly next week, but definitely when we get four or five episodes. So over in movies, it's once again led by Hustle. 737 million minutes for the Adam Sandler movie. Okay, yeah, fine. Pretty good. Yep, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Adam, uh, Adam Sandler is just doing his thing, making his money, and Netflix has to be happy with... Uh, Absolutely, with gotta love him. Yeah. Here's something new in, in second, and I know we definitely talked about it, but we missed an important point when we when we did. Uh, this is Spiderhead. Mm. Yes, it's 484 million minutes, and we made fun of it because, you know, it's it's Chris Hemsworth, you know, computer hacker. <laughs> in glasses. So in glasses, Mad yes. So, scientist. Chris Hemsworth, who came yes. up with that? Yes, <laughs> uh, we we missed a, we did miss one aspect, which I guess I, I mean this movie is directed by a guy named Joseph Kosinski. Um, he's done something else pretty recently that was really really popular. What is that, Tim? He directed Top Gun Maverick. <gasps> what? Yeah. So, is there a chance that Netflix's algorithm somehow may have interpreted people attempting to enter Top Gun Maverick into their search, and this movie came up? Is, I mean, by is, that is it possible? Wouldn't it get the same bump with Thor: Love and Thunder? I mean, I would think maybe. That- yeah, that's what rules suggested when I brought that point up. I mean, we really maybe we won't see that for you know effect for a week, but you know there was a. I guess there was a new maybe a new trailer. It just seems like it should be doing massively well if it was getting those results. I mean, if anything, that would make this kind of a dud. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is just a three-day number for this movie, so uh, I mean, it will maybe we'll take a, a a jump next week. But I don't know. I just threw, threw that out there. But it, it was a, a point we missed. Not that the director means anything. I don't think he's really not done anything else before. I think Top Gun Maverick was actually may have actually been the first movie he directed after doing some other stuff. But yeah, I just found that interesting. Also new in third, Chicken Hair and the Hamster of Darkness, 348 million minutes. Oh, yeah, we wow. talked about that. You yeah, we talked fate. about Okay, yeah. That, I mean, the, just from the title alone, it just sounds like they made it up. But it, it's apparently based on a uh, graphic novel. It's computer animated. It, it's 
definitely something they should not have put in theaters. So that's that's why it's here. But yeah, okay, sure, why not? Hey, it beat it beat Encanto. This this may be the first animated movie to beat Encanto that was not turning red. <laughs> Here's something that's going to uh, maybe set some gears running in David's head. But the company that published the graphic novel was Dark Horse. Oh, good lord. <laughs> Dark Horse is quietly up to something and they're doing quite well for themselves. Remember Umbrella Academy is another Dark Horse comic that is doing well for itself on Netflix. As Tim pointed out, we'll see those numbers next week, but Dark Horse is quietly building up for themselves quite a portfolio of IP that then is translating into successful streaming content. This one was a European co-production, I think France, Belgium, and then got just American uh voice talent to redub everything but it is uh, uh the animation kim i think you pointed out when we originally talked about it the animation is pretty solid it's endearing and it seems to be the kind of content that children would quite enjoy and when you're not taking the kids to the theater to watch minions i guess you can sit down in front of uh your netflix box and watch this instead as i mentioned here's a content in fourth 296 million minutes something new a uh, father of the bride 273 million minutes this is the remake that premiered this year on HBO Max. Yeah, with Andy Garcia and Gloria Stefan. Yes. Oh, well, uh, I guess it did as well as you would expect for what probably should have been a theatrical movie in the before times. Yeah, right. Had And actually, the development apparently started post-pandemic, uh, so it wasn't something that that they shelved for a while or bumped to streaming from, from theaters, so it looks like it may have been headed there all along or maybe just with the market changing they decided to to make it for send it directly to streaming but yeah that, that's fine i i am still happy that we have hbo max um they are making appearances on on this list so that's that's showing that you know enough enough people it's having enough impact on people to to watch hbo max and watch what they're putting out do you know who co-starred in the 1991 version of father of the bride Steve Martin and Martin Short, along with Kimberly Williams Paisley, because Selena Gomez wasn't born yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder why they never made another movie with Chevy Chase. Hmm. Hmm. It's a mystery. It, yeah. No, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah. Uh, here is something else new in six. This is from Netflix. Halftime, 237 million minutes. Or if you, when I searched to figure out what exactly this was, Jennifer Lopez, Halftime, maybe the actual uh, actual full title. This is the uh, documentary on, uh, on J-Lo about her halftime show from a couple of years ago. Yep, in seventh, Top Gun from Amazon. And yes, I think initially... When the first, when this showed up a few weeks ago, it said Amazon and Netflix, but just doing that double check to see what happens if you search for Top Gun Maverick on Netflix and if Spiderhead shows up, it did not for my search, uh, but Top Gun isn't there at all anymore. So I wonder if it was and then disappeared at the beginning of June, which is entirely possible. Eighth Turning Red from Disney Plus, 183 million minutes. Uh, ninth, The Amazing Spider-Man, 165 million minutes. Again, still not Spider-Man, No Way Home. That's on. That would not be on Netflix anyway. Stop searching for it, even though this one showed up on back on Netflix on June 1st. And wrapping up movies, Fantastic Beasts, Secret of Dumbledore, also from HBO Max, 152 million minutes. All right. So in Acquired, it is 10 shows we have seen before, uh, led this time by NCIS, back on top uh, after being bumped by All-American, 817 million minutes. Again, we have Friends and Big Bang Theory from HBO Max. 
showing that getting those shows on there off wherever they were and on HBO Max was very much worth it for them because that's a fair amount of eyeballs for those for those shows, especially when you can compete with you know the dominance that Netflix has on, on this list. Hey, are we about to lose? Uh, when is Criminal Minds leaving? Because I, I know we talked about that. Did it yeah, leave at the end June? of June. Okay, oh, so wow. we're okay. so we're we're counting down the clock on, on Criminal Minds. That freezing freeing up another another evergreen spot. On another this spot. List. Yeah. Ooh, who's the lucky show? Who right. gets it? All right. Uh, so yeah, that's, what will people watch in the background now? Watch? Right. What are they going to do? Where are they going to get their serial serial killer tips from? Uh, but yeah, that's all for this week. Okie doke. In our green lights and cancellations this week, Hulu has announced that Only Murders in the Building has been renewed for a third season. Time to move, folks. Two murders. That's too many. Three. (laughs) You got to get the hell out. Yes, that's too many murders. I I mean, but rent control. So, you know, it's probably just (laughs) might as well well just stay where you are. Uh, (laughs) Spoken like a true New Yorker, Ted. One of our friends did make a great proposal where maybe they go to like a bed and breakfast or something and then there's a murder. It's <laughs> it's, 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 it's almost like murder she wrote at this point. <laughs> that would be phenomenal. Fine by me. They're great together. And The Bear, which has been picking up momentum and devoted fans, has been renewed for a second season. Now I'm going to have to watch this, aren't I? <laughs> I think so. Another FX show that shows up on Hulu. Mm-hmm. People seem to really like it, and it does seem to be a modern big night, which is high praise because Stanley Tucci was amazing in that. But still, I'm going to hold out and wait for mine, which is Cocaine Bear. <laughs> <laughs> At Netflix, a new season of Black Mirror is in the works, and the cast includes Aaron Paul, Kate Mara, Zazie Beetz, and Josh Hartnett. <laughs> They can pretty much get anybody for this show at this point, can't they? Sure. Yeah. And Bridgerton breakout star Regé Jean Page is returning to the streamer to star in an untitled heist movie written and directed by Noah Hawley for the Russo Brothers AGBO production company. I also read something from Variety, I think it was this week, where they were interviewing Regé Jean Page and they'd asked him if he'd be returning to Bridgerton. And he says, no, nah, they can go ahead and recast me. Thanks. I had my fun there. <laughs> he seems to he seems to have had quite a negative experience, maybe in the fact that, that he hadn't been invited back for the second season. And now he doesn't want to have anything to do with that. But that doesn't extend to Netflix. He seems to like Netflix just fine. <laughs> Over at the Roku channel, the Russo brothers are executive producing a 10-part series all about the rivalry between Marvel and DC called Slugfest and narrated by Kevin Smith. The series will premiere on Christmas Eve. There's been a number of different documentaries and even docu-series on cable about the history of comic books. Mm-hmm. And and they always seem to fall short, uh, hopefully with uh, 10 episodes or 10 parts on the Roku channel, so long as they're not quibby length. Um, maybe, maybe they'll actually be comprehensive this time. Over at Disney Plus, Alden Ehrenrich, last seen playing Han Solo on the big screen, has been added to the supporting cast of the upcoming Ironheart series about Riri Williams, a genius inventor and the creator of the most advanced suit of armor since Iron Man. In news, shirt, please, sick, sick people everywhere. Paramount Plus has greenlit the Criminal Minds revival with key cast members and showrunner Erica Messer set to return. Turns out everybody likes money. 
right. As always, we close out with what's been keeping us busy for the past week. And David and I watched the first couple episodes of Resident Evil, the series on Netflix. I know a lot of people have not really liked it much and I can potentially understand why, but I'm still curious to see where they go with it. It's maybe not Resident Evil-y enough yet, possibly maybe, but... uh, It'll do. It's fine for for watching in the background. We've also, of course, started the final part of Better Call Saul, which debuted this past week. And my gosh, that show is amazing. That's all I'll say. There were some big happenings this most recent episode. And who boy. Raul, how about you? My pick this week is Star Trek Strange New Worlds. It just wrapped up its first season on Paramount Plus, and I loved it. It's the closest show to the feel of the original series since The Next Generation. It's much more episodic than serialized content, and I'm surprisingly okay with that. But it also does have that connective tissue between episodes that brings the whole show together. And while other shows like Star Trek Discovery can't be bothered with continuity, they in fact got so frustrated with fans calling them out on continuity loopholes that they just time-traveled everybody 500 years into the future there. Strange New Worlds actually charges headlong into the fray, they will do full-on callbacks to original series episodes, things that I'm not going to go into details on because there'd be spoilers. But if you're an old school Star Trek fan, these adventures with Captain Pike, number one, and Mr. Spock are just going to be great. You're going to love them. The, The callbacks from old Star Trek episodes are just like warm hugs. If you're a Star Trek fan and you're not watching this, what are you waiting for? And if you've never watched Star Trek before, Anson Mount's Captain Pike is about to become your hero. He's like Captain America in space. All right, Tim, how about you? Uh, I'm a little behind, but I finally had a chance to start Only Murders in the Building Season 2, and I'm not caught up yet. I've only actually watched the first episode, but clearly from the first 15 minutes of it, they went much bigger than the first season. And I do wonder how many people Steve Martin either approached or more likely had approached him and he had to turn down to be in this season. I'm just really enjoying it. I can't, I can't uh, give me more. I can't, I can't wait to get caught up and watch the, the whole thing once, once it's all out. Maybe not this week, but probably the following week. And I, I don't know exactly what, what they did, but you know, even in that one scene, that was the first time I've ever seen Cara Delevingne not look extremely annoyed to be wherever she is at that moment. <laughs> so there's clearly something, some magic on that, on that set. And I hope they bottle it up and keep going. And I'm so glad that there's going to be a third season. I do love that. All right, we need to cast this role. Who do we know that lives in New York? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I I think that helped, right? Uh, people probably ask you, Martin. Hey, can I can I can I be in the show? And, and like, do you live in New York? No. Well, sorry. <laughs> that's why we got Amy Schumer, and that's why we got Michael Rappaport. Yep. All right, David. How about you? You know, I was piecing together a different reply to this, but I'm going to go ahead and just riff off something Tim just said because if you want to see Cara Delevingne actually show some fire and some spirit in a film, what did we watch this week, Kim? It is Valerian, and I don't know the whole title of the movie, but it is Valerian. (laughs) (laughs) Partial credit. Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, which is a really fun sci-fi film from Luc Besson. And in that, she and Dane DeHaan have really good chemistry together, and it is a charming story with some surprise appearances, including one by Rihanna and another one by Ethan Hawke, who must have owed somebody money or something. I have no idea what he's doing. Super weird 
super fun. There's a lot of energy in it. And hey, you can't go wrong whenever you have Clive Owen as the villain in something. So Tim, if you ever want to see her like have a personality, definitely check out Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. <laughs> okay, I'll add it to the list. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Streaming Into the Void. Please consider subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And we welcome your feedback. Remember that we're on social media at Streaming Void and online at streamingintothevoid.com. If you like what you're hearing, please consider rating us and giving us a review in your favorite podcast player. Be sure to watch for us again next week. <laughs>